Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the program. My name is William Hemsworth. Great to be with you again today. Honored to have my guest, Jacob Woods. He recently came into the church on Pentecost, and he has a great YouTube channel called The Candid Catholic. Uh, Jacob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? You know, I'm well. Um, I live in Tucson, Arizona. It's only supposed to be 106 today. <laughs> um, pray for me. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been pretty hot here. And uh, I, so I'm in Kansas City. And it's not 106, but it's been about 95, but we don't, our humidity is oh, absolutely yeah. horrible. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, right now it, it always gets hotter and hotter. And then beginning of G- July is when our rainy season comes. Mm-hmm. It's when I call our monsoon storms. But anyway, that's either here or there. <laughs> so you recently came into the church. So I guess what, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how that journey started? Yeah. So, um, Again, I'm from Kansas City. I uh, so I'll just start kind of with my childhood, sure, because um, that kind of laid la- the foundation for all of this. Um, growing up, I uh, I was kind of raised in a in a in a broken home. Um, by the time I was 18 years old, um, my parents had gone through several divorces, and that kind of laid the foundation for my worldview. Um, neither I loved both my parents neither one of my parents were really uh they weren't practicing um whether that's protestant or they weren't practicing on either end of the spectrum so I didn't really go to church much um I did go to mass a few times with my grandparents so my grandma was devout okay (laughs) um I still like she's still probably the most holy person I've ever been around um and she had looking back um, she definitely had a huge part in all of this, even though I didn't realize what was going on at the time. Um, so at 18, um, yeah, I had gone through some divorces. Um, I actually, I'd lost some people that I was close to, like in my family. And that just really laid the foundation for atheism. Um, I remember the classical question of, you know, if there's a good, if God is good and he loves us and why does he allow, you know, evil to happen and suffering. Um, So that, that during my, in kind of in my childhood, I wasn't, um, I didn't really think about God a lot or Jesus a lot. It was just um, my identity was in sports and, and, uh, that's really what I focused on. Um, so, you know, I dealt with all these things. I get to 18 and I basically came to the point that I didn't believe in God. Um, I remember it was a distinct moment too, where there was this point, these questions come into mind. And I, and I remember asking my mom, like, all of these questions and I never found answers. Um, I never, I never really went online either. Um, when I was 18, that was 2011. So we had the internet and everything, but it it wasn't quite as, you know, developed with YouTube as it is now. And so never really got answers to any of my questions. And so those questions just remained unanswered. And I also remember um, looking back, I remember that I had this thought that 
um, you know, if I, if I reject God, then I can basically do whatever I want. You know, there is no, there, there there's nothing that's going to stop me from living the life that I wanted to live. And it reminds me, it's, it reminds me of what Paul says in Romans that, you know, people suppress the truth. Well, I suppress the truth. <laughs> right. And uh, so at that time it felt something, it felt freeing actually. It was like, man, I don't have to, I don't have to think about somebody else, you know, watching over me per se. <laughs> um, so at 18 that happened and, you know, like through, throughout high school, I was a pretty good kid. I didn't do any, I didn't really party that much. Um, I, uh, I was popular, but I, I, I remember like my anxiety was so bad. I wouldn't go to parties. <laughs> and uh, so like when I was 18, I, uh, my senior year, like I, I found alcohol and, uh, and I started going to parties, started drinking, started doing everything else that you you can think about um and from there i graduated high school and i had a uh i went off to a junior college uh, about three hours away from home to play baseball on a scholarship and so i was in this relationship with this girl um and i was three hours away from home and um my life kind of just started falling apart. Um, the, the drinking and the partying, it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I found myself doing things that, you know, I wouldn't have thought I would have done. <laughs> and uh, so I left that junior college and then came back to, uh, came back closer to home to a JUCO that was about 45 minutes away from my house. Um, and that was second semester of my freshman year in college. And I played there for two years, um, had success on the field. Like I, I, uh, yeah, I, I had success. I had offers from, you know, other, other four years, but like <laughs> the other things were coming up and my baggage was, was following me per se. Okay. And, uh, things are just getting, it just kept on getting worse and worse. <laughs> um, and so I played there for, for two years. So from 18 to I was 20 and I had a, an offer. I was committed to go to a division two school in Arkansas and, uh, but I didn't have the grades <laughs> okay. and, and, uh, they basically took away that scholarship and, and, uh, it left me, it left me at home for about six months, um, and I remember I was at that time, I was working out and doing some, some classes, some online classes. And I look back now and that was kind of a, it was an important time because it had removed me from baseball and it removed me from all my friends because everybody else, all my other friends were, you know, away from home, they're playing baseball or they're doing their right. thing, you know, and so looking back, like I had a lot of time to think and reflect. And so I, uh, I took classes, passed them. And then I went out to 
uh, a, a Division II school in Tennessee called Lincoln Memorial University. It's about 45 minutes away from Knoxville. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you, do you think yeah. that time was more of a wake-up call, like, you know, get your life right or something like that? It, not not at that time is when my okay. life turned around, but it definitely planted seeds. Let's just okay. say that um, for sure. Okay. <laughs> and so I, uh, I went out there and I, I did like a tryout and they, uh, <laughs> after the tryout, like they, they brought me back in uh, to the coach's office and they gave me like, they basically gave me like a full ride scholarship, which I had no business being at that school because that school had the same level of accreditation as Vanderbilt and, was, okay. and I had no business being there, but somehow God allowed me to uh, get a scholarship there. <laughs> so I, ba- long story short, um, I stayed there for a month and uh, I came back home. And so I go out there. I, you know, I have a, uh, try out like I get a scholarship I'm at a really good school we're a good good program and then <laughs> I uh, I leave you know and so I just noticed like that like the the partying and and the brokenness and the sin like it just kept on getting worse yeah. and no matter how much like worldly success I would have and so um yeah that was I was about 20 at that time um and so i came home and from tennessee and uh i remember it got to the point where i was pretty low uh mentally and i uh i had a crazy experience um i was at a point where i was pretty much done with life and uh i was in my room about to do it and I heard I I heard a an audible voice. <laughs> oh. Um and it it was the way that I could describe it was like we know how God speaks like through his word and it's kind of like that small still voice. Mm-hmm. This wasn't like that. It was like so where I was was um in my room it's kind of in the back of the house. And I would say that it, it would be like, let's say somebody was in the front of, of the house um, saying my name kind of off in the distance. That's how it sounded. Okay. And uh, kind of like Samuel <laughs> and yeah. first Samuel when God's calling Samuel and he's like, he keeps on going and he doesn't realize it's God. Well, yeah, you called me like, what do you need? You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> so at that time, I like, I thought I was just losing my mind you know? And so, uh, but I remember it was leave the room, you know, that's, that's what I heard. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do that. So I literally like ran out of the room. Um, and again, I thought I was, I, I didn't know what to think, but I remembered at that point, it was crazy. I started having a interest for reading, um, which before <laughs> I barely passed any classes in college and <laughs> high school was skated through. Like I couldn't stand reading, couldn't stand 
<laughs> learning at all. But from that point on, it's like, man, I just couldn't put down uh, books. So like the first book that I read was The Reason for God by Tim Keller. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, I just like, I was just devouring apologetics. You know, at that time, it was from a, from a Protestant perspective. But sure. um, yeah, I was, I was reading, reading apologetics stuff. I was reading uh, also... I was looking into other faiths as well. Um, I just really wanted the truth. That's all I wanted. Yeah. And um, so from that point on, from 21 to 23, um, I was reading the Bible every single day, (laughs) hours on day. I was reading other things as well. And I was actually kind of getting into like new age. Um, So I remember, and I still have it up in my room. I remember um, like writing down affirmations every single morning. Like I'd write down you're loved, you know, like be positive, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't get like into, I didn't get into it really deep, but I just remember believing that like, if I put out positive energy into the, into the universe, that it would bring back, you know, good things in my life. And so I believe, I believed it. (laughs) The whole secret thing, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The whole thing. And, uh, but I was also at the time still studying scripture a lot. And um, so I did that for two years. And at 23, I remember it, the Bible clicked in a way that had never clicked before because I was, I was doing all these things, these new age practices um, and trying to be positive. And and I was working for um, a a corporate company. So that's kind of big in the corporate culture, be positive, that kind of thing, which nothing, that's not bad in and of itself, but, um, but I was kind of looking at as as my salvation. (laughs) And um, I just remember I'm reading in Romans and the, the doctrine of sin just clicked for me. And I'm like, no matter what I try to do and how much I try to get better, there's still something wrong. And I I know there's something wrong with me. There's this in iniquity too. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, this is totally right. <laughs> like the Bible, the Bible is true. <laughs> right. So did this help you with that question you had when you were 18, the whole problem of evil? Like, you know, if, if there's such a good God, why is all these things going wrong? Or Yeah. And like all of that, like, you know, you're reading like apologetics and taking in like William Lane Craig was another one that mm-hmm. I was watching a lot. Um, and so, yeah, to answer your question, yes, for sure. Because I, I started seeing like, okay, you know, that there is this thing as sin <laughs> and, you know, in the world we have sin, et cetera. And it, it's starting to make sense as to why there's, there's evil in the world. Um, okay. And I didn't have like a full grasp on it, but I was like, I know that's, I know that's true. <laughs> Um, Cause I'm seeing like, and it's, it's like, you just turn on the news 
just just watch the late night news and it's all just horrible things mm-hmm. <laughs> you know of all the things that are going wrong turn on social media it's it's so blatantly in your face it's like you have to just like <laughs> totally ignore it for it to not um for you to not believe it right and so yeah for sure all right so the bible starts clicking um you, you start saying that we have this inclination to sin if you will so what happens next for you so that was about so i was 23 at that point and from 23 to 25 um i things started changing now i still had i was still uh i was still like partying but i still i noticed that like I was starting to have conviction over some of these things. I'm like, Ooh, man, I don't know if I should do this anymore. <laughs> um, and some of my other, like, you know, sin that I was wrapped in, um, it, it was, I was starting to be convicted of it all for sure. Um, but I was still, you know, I was still going, like we have a, uh, it's called the Lake of the Ozarks um, here in Missouri. And it's a big like party place. I mean, it's an awesome place, but a lot of people go down there and they party and all that. So I'd go there every weekend, but I started like, I started not going down there every single weekend. You know, I'd go down there instead of going every weekend, I'd go every other weekend and then only once a month and then maybe once every couple of months. And so like these patterns were being broken slowly but surely um and the conviction was starting to become more prominent and along with that um i started finding like sincere joy right in the things of god i started finding peace um that i never had before that it was something that had so much more weight than anything else I was still suffering um, in other areas of my life as we all go through. Sure. But I was able to, to, to view that suffering uh, with purpose, which before I couldn't. Before, I, 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 it was just meaningless. So you're getting that concept of redemptive suffering, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Okay. Yeah. Now, during this time, because you, you mentioned you were going to the Lake of the Ozarks every week and were people starting to ask questions like, hey, why don't we see you as often anymore or, or anything like that? Um, I would, I, I remember there was, there was one guy that I would like hang around. Um, and yeah, he would, he would kind of make questions, like he would make comments every now and then. Um, but for the most part, like not really. Um, I, uh, I think like my, so my cousin, he, he's like, he was living uh, here with me at my, at my house. And uh, he was the one that I'd go down to the Ozarks with every single weekend. And we like, he's like basically my brother. um, And we were in that lifestyle together and he started seeing a change though. Um, You know, so like we would, you know, we would smoke, do other drugs, et cetera. And I'd, I'd tell him that, sorry, man, I can't. (laughs) And, uh, he, uh, he started seeing a difference for sure. So the, the ones that were closest to me and my family, 
yeah, they they definitely saw like things changing. So okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're reading these apologists and William Lane Craig. I mean fantastic apologist you I, lo- I read his stuff all the time myself and you start getting this notion how suffering can be redemptive so i guess how does the church come into this i know maybe we were skipping ahead but i guess what happens after that point yeah so i i uh i i was like during this point like i was starting to go to a church um i was going to a church that was uh, the first church i went to was like a uh, basically just a non-denominational evangelical church, like five minutes away from my house. Um, I went there a couple times and did like a Bible or a book study with a group of guys and never like, it was fine. Just never really made any connections. Mm -hmm. And so I, and after I left that church and I, uh, went to, so my best friend's dad, um, started a church and, um, he, he actually passed away, but he, uh, he was the pastor. And so I actually started going to that church, my best friend's church. And it was about 30 minutes away. And, um, <laughs> I, uh, the, <laughs> the first time I, or the first, uh, service that I got there, the, <laughs> the lead pastor got up and basically stepped down from the church oh man <laughs> so that, was, that was my uh, that was my first experience at this church uh after my best friend's uh dad had passed away because i had gone to it in high school a couple times but not really like i i just yeah so uh yeah that was like my first experience but i never had anything in me that told me to leave so i just kept on going Okay. And so he left and then they, you know, they had like an uh, a associate pastor there and they would kind of switch off with messages with other people. And um, yeah, like it was the first church that I, I, uh, I started serving. So for, I don't know, within the first few months of being there, I, uh, I started serving like in the youth ministry and um it's trying to just start getting involved. Mm-hmm. And th- at that point, that's when my life was really starting to change. Um, my, it was, it was pretty awesome. So I, uh, I, I started serving in the youth ministry and then like I was doing that for, I don't make, I don't know, maybe six to eight months. And then I started feeling, <laughs> I started feeling called to ministry. <laughs> um, and uh, so my best friend was actually the youth pastor at the time when I was going um, and serving. And, you know, the, the senior pastor had stepped down. And so they were looking for a pastor. And my buddy uh, actually interviewed for the job and they ended up hiring him. So <laughs> they, uh, they hired him and there, there was kind of a void left there in the youth ministry. And there was people like multiple people were starting to talk to me about like, Hey, have you ever thought about being the youth pastor? And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't, yeah. Like I, I'm starting to feel like that tug. Um, and that church, I wanted to say that church did a really thorough job of, walking that out with me 
so like the elders at that church we were meeting for like i don't know four or five months talking about this okay and uh the uh then they at this time i'm probably 26 i'm 28 now so that was a couple years ago um and so they they interviewed me and they gave me the job um and I, so I was <laughs> the youth pastor there, <laughs> went from <laughs> atheist to looking at new age to, man, you're, youth pastor. You're youth pastor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but there was, I, I, uh, yeah, it was, it, looking back, it was a lot, um, it was a lot to process and, <laughs> um, but I loved the kids there. Like I loved everybody I served with. I loved everybody at that old church. Um, so I was there like, (laughs) you know, for seven to eight months and, uh, I ended up stepping down, um, for reasons I won't go in. There was nothing, nothing between me and the church, but yeah. So I stepped down, um, and that was in that was in December of 2019. So I uh, after that I went and got another job, and um, I started looking at Catholicism in the middle of 2020. So, so you started looking. Okay, so you go from atheism. You're the youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Which is a big enough step already. <laughs> and then yeah. and then you step down, you get another job. Pandemic starts, and then you start looking <laughs> at Catholicism. Talk about like a trial by fire almost. Um, what made you decide to start looking at Catholicism? Because that's a that's a big step that's a big step on its own, let alone that you were the youth pastor just a few months prior to this. Yeah. So the first okay, so I was I would watch uh debates between uh protestant apologists and like catholic apologists so i loved uh james white right like i was a calvinist basically um and so i would watch james white quite a bit and the first and i remember a debate popped up between james white and trent horn on can you lose your salvation oh yeah yeah at the g (laughs) yep (laughs) and uh so I was like, hey, yeah, sure, let's let's check this out because you know I'd, I I believed in perseverance of the saints, um, and so I just thought to myself, well, James White, like, very intelligent, you know, he's gonna run away with this, and I watched it, <laughs> and uh, it felt like, like I mentioned in my my video on my channel, it felt like the ground was shaking underneath me. Um, I watched that debate. It was about. I think it was a little over two hours. Yeah. Um, and I watched that debate and I'm like, man, I think Trent Horn won that. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, James White, like that guy can get, he's very intelligent, like knows his stuff. And I'm just convinced by what Trent Horn said. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give that a few days. I'm going to watch it again. Cause it's like watching a movie, like things that you, you pick up the first, or you might miss some things the first time, right? Right. And uh, so I watched it again. And I became more convicted. <laughs> the more times I watched this, I watched it probably, 
I don't know, four or five, six times. And uh, that, that definitely started cracking my foundation, at least of, of, of Calvinism. Okay. What, what specifically hit home the most out of that debate? I, mean, I forgot. They, I mean, they covered a ton there. Um, yeah. So anyone who hasn't seen it, I recommend it. In fact, I'll put it in the notes on this. But um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Sorry. I, it's okay. Um, no, I felt like one thing, okay, that comes to my mind is Trent Horn uh, quoted St. Augustine quite a bit. And he was kind of like, if you're an evangelical, He's somebody you quote a lot, right? right? Because he's, he focuses on grace a lot. And if you're an evangelical, it's like, yes. (laughs) So you kind of looked at him as like a proto Protestant. Well, he started quoting things that sounded real Catholic. (laughs) And, uh, and so that, I think that was something that um, stuck out to me because I, I held him and, Augustine in pretty high esteem. Um, and the way that like Trent Horn would uh, explain some of the passages that they were debating over. Um, I forgot where it was in John, but there was this, it, Trent Horn had this ability um, to show that not everything is descriptive um, in scripture, right? There's two ways to read scripture, prescriptive or descriptive. Right. And there's these classical like uh, Calvinistic scriptures that we go to, to prove that, you know, you, you can't walk away from the faith. And Trent Horn was showing like, no, in these passages, I got to, I got to find him now after we're done with this. But but in these uh, passages, he was talking about like how Jesus is, is saying like, Hey, um, I will, I will raise them up, but they have like, but those who keep coming to me, like he was showing these, like how these uh, verbs in the passage was proving that like, no, we don't, it's not irresistible grace. Like we do have a choice in this, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, it, okay. there's yeah. a lot there. <laughs> it is. There's a lot that they did in that debate. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a, it was a great debate. And I remember when that debate was over, I was on one of the Facebook debate groups and they were all stunned at how they thought, they could have swore that Trent Horn was going to lose. They're like, they won. <laughs> they were, then they were um, Calvinist reformed as well. It was a specifically a reformed Calvinist group. I was just checking out and that's what they were saying. So you weren't the only one, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it, was, it was impressive. So it was. So you watch this debate, um, you hear this quote, you hear Augustine mentioned in a whole different light. Um, so I guess what happens next? So, from there, I started, I, I came across, uh, I think the website's called Early Christian Writings. Okay. And uh, I came across writings of the church fathers. <laughs> and uh, that is, that was one of the like pivotal moments. Um, I started seeing um, 
how the church fathers didn't sound Protestant at all. Um, they started sounded they they sounded Catholic or Orthodox, um, and I, uh, I I it was hard for me to be able to say like, well, no, I, you know, I know scripture more than these guys do. I mean, you had Ignatius of Antioch who was right. Like we think he's a disciple of the apostle John (laughs) and, you know, Polycarp, the, the patristics. And so I started reading, um, the church fathers and I saw two things that they were unanimous on. And that was, uh, Baptismal regeneration, which I didn't believe, right, saved you. I just thought it was a sign of the Holy Spirit working in you. And then um, the Eucharist, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I just thought like the Eucharist was just a a symbol. You know, I was, I basically held to like Zwingli's view of of the Eucharist. Um, And yeah, so I, I started seeing like they were unanimously in agreement upon those two things. And then that led me to just reading more and more and more um, on the church fathers. And I eventually bought the book. I think it's called the, uh, the fathers know best by Jimmy Aiken. Oh, great book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I started, and what I love about that book is, you know, it's kind of a reference book. It's not like you have to just read from front to back, but in the beginning, in the like the table of contents he has like all of the issues you know and the eucharist and baptismal regeneration and and et cetera et cetera all the things that we kind of wrestle with mm-hmm. um he has them laid out and then like you can go to the issue and see what the church father said about it you know and see their quotes and that really opened up a uh, like <laughs> yeah it is a great book so so you're reading the church fathers which that's what got me too from protestant i happened to be while i was in seminary um so you're reading the church fathers you see they're almost un- the unanimous teaching on the eucharist baptismal regeneration what's going through your mind at this point oh man um it was it was it was really, it was, it was pretty close to, um, how I was feeling at 21, you know, like I, I started asking a bunch of questions about things that I had believed in. And, um, you know, I told myself, I was like, you know, no matter what, I just want the truth. You know, that's just what it went back to. Yeah. And I'll just, I will sacrifice whatever it is find that right and so you know i'm wrestling with with all the things that i believed in um on doctrine and um i'm thinking to myself well i have to give i'm already in <laughs> i gotta give myself up to it and just and keep keep searching and keep reading um and then you know when that happened so when i was reading like the church fathers i started it's like I took off my Protestant glasses mm-hmm. and put on my Catholic glasses <laughs> and I started reading scripture way differently. Yeah. Like it's there the whole time or was yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like this, it's like this paradigm shift. Um, 
And I, I remember it was crazy. I remember one night I, uh, I had this, it, it was like God was pulling on my will. It, it was, it was, um, it was, I know I'm not worshiping correctly. There's something a little off. Hmm. And I remember, and I got to go to it right now. <laughs> I remember I was, I came across. And so that thought happened and I don't remember if it was that night or not. Um, but I remember I came across uh, Luke 24, you know, and the road to Emmaus. And <laughs> okay. I'm, you know, I'm reading, uh, you know, we're, and I had read that passage multiple times, but I'm, I'm going to this, this church, this evangelical church. And basically what, you know, what we do, we would have, you know, two songs at the top, a sermon, and, and then close out with two songs. And there's something in me that was like, oh, there's something, there's something else that like, th- there's more fullness somewhere else. It's not like it was totally wrong. Mm-hmm. this is just not quite the fullness and so i came across luke 24 um where jesus opens up the the uh like cleopas and, and he opens up their minds to the scriptures and then in the breaking of the bread <laughs> they notice who he is and then he disappears i'm like hold on here <laughs> what, what's going on <laughs> right um and that, that in Luke 24 brought my mind back to the times, the, the few times I would go to mass with my grandma mm. and looking back, I didn't realize I was starting to understand and realize the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the Eucharist. Powerful, so. man. Powerful. <laughs> yeah. That had to have been a really like, like whoa, like I yeah. opened a moment. <laughs> So, so it, you, yeah, so you make this connection now. You see, you something was missing. Then you realize, like, this is the Eucharist. This is kind of like an outline of the Mass, I, I guess, if you will. Literally, the word, the Eucharist, and in the road of the Mass. Mm-hmm. What, what happens next? Like, you have this aha moment. Like, did you wrestle with it anymore, or what was what was going on? So I, I read. So after that, I read um, Justin Martyr's uh, when he talks about the Mass. Apology, and, okay. Yeah. And so I read that. And I'm like, gosh, hey, man, that's exactly what they do in the mass. Like the form of it is identical. And then I read, I forgot what book it was, but uh, it was a book by Scott Hahn where he talks about how the mass is portrayed in Revelation and kind of his like, yeah. I wish, do you know what, you know what book I'm talking about? The, the Lamb's Supper. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I read that, and uh, after that, I was like, "Okay, I gotta go to mass." Um, <laughs> wow! So you, you started going to mass at this point, then? Yeah. Okay. So that this was probably the first time I went to mass was um, maybe November or I don't know, a little bit later, probably December of. of last year okay and i started going to mass um well let me back up real quick i i reached out to a girl i went to high school with she was the only catholic that i knew that was right around my age sent her a message on on facebook and i was like hey do you know anybody that really knows their catholicism 
And so she was like, yeah, let me try to find somebody. So she reached out to um, our associate priest at our parish. And then he reached out to a guy that had a, a PhD and he was just a recent convert into Catholicism. And he was a, he was a deacon, I believe in the Anglican church. And so I met up with him and I'm like, Hey man, like I've got some questions, but let's just talk. We just had a dialogue. It wasn't an argument or anything like that. And um, so I asked him where he went and he told me and I started going there and yeah, in December. Okay. Wow. So you, and then you came into the, you came into the, uh, sorry, I'm just piecing together the timeline. So this is all, all this, all this happens. Mm-hmm. And at Pentecost, you come into the church. So w- did you just have that one-on-one education with a priest then? Cause RCA has already started at this point in most parishes. That's why I ask. Yeah. So I started going uh, to RCIA in January. Okay. And I, uh, our, our RCIA is phenomenal. I mean, it's, it is awesome. Um, and I, st- I, uh, I started out in inquiry for like the first week. And then I had a conversation with uh, Father Mattingly, our associate priest. And I was like, hey, man, like, I'm, I'm ready. Let's, let's go to the catechumen. <laughs> All right. And uh, we had like a long conversation uh, for two or three hours. And um, he's like, do you really have any questions? Or are you pretty much? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm pretty much there. and uh (laughs) so i i asked him i was like you know when do i think when do you think i could come into the church um and he was like you know i i think he mentioned like august september ish i'm not sure when besides easter vigil and then pentecost but so i started i was going to rcia right from january and then on and then we had that conversation and then eventually and he was like, yeah, I, th- I, I think you're ready. You- <laughs> okay. And so I, uh, yeah, I had, I had been going to RCIA for that whole time. And I still go to, they've asked me to go up and up until December. Okay. Um, so I wanted to say, mention something. Um, I was looking at orthodoxy as well during this time. And talking about God's providence. Um, I really did like, like I liked orthodoxy. I actually reached out to uh, a local uh, priest here uh, that is at an Orthodox church. Um, And he like, we didn't ever connect. (laughs) So I look back and it was, it was definitely God's providence. Um, But I liked a lot of what orthodoxy had to, to offer and say, um, but I remember reading uh, Pope Peter by Joe Heschmeyer. Oh, and, and I read that book. I'm like, okay, Orthodoxy and Catholicism, right? We have, we have the sacraments, we have valid apostolic succession. Like yeah. there are a lot of things that we're, we're good on or close. Um, and then the issue of the Pope, right. Came and I read that book and I'm like, okay. Um, I'm sold on, on the papacy and it had a lot to do also with um, something that Clement said that was an early church father as well. So, 
Oh, his letter to the Corinthians. Yep. <laughs> like, pretty much saying, get your house in order or listen to us now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so, so like I was reading that book and like reading, uh, I, I came across that right from the Bishop of Rome and uh, I'm thinking to myself, okay, hold on. You have somebody that is thousands of miles away in Rome. Why is the church of Corinth writing to him to ask for his help? And then who gives him the authority to be able to say, hey, you better get your act together or else, especially during the time when John the Apostle is still alive on the island of Patmos. Yeah. You know, and, and I like this morning, I, uh, I pulled out my Google Maps and just for fun, I, I put in uh, Rome and then uh, Corinth and then saw how, how long it would take now just to get from Rome to Corinth. And it was like a day. Um, and then I put Corinth to Patmos and it was like a few hours. So, so you could have gone the shorter route, <laughs> but yeah. they didn't do it. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's like, why would you, especially in ancient times, it's going to take forever to get, to get, to, to have letters travel. It's not like a lot of people take our, uh, lifestyle for advantage. For granted. For, yeah granted yeah like it's um, always been this way but no oh it hasn't yeah and so that was something that really really made a, a impact for sure that's huge i never thought about that actually that's great that's that that puts it a lot in perspective really does so let's fast forward a little bit you, go, you come into the church from pentecost then you start this youtube channel the candid mm. catholic so how did that come about um so i I always had, like, I loved, when I was a youth pastor, I, I loved teaching. You know, I, I found myself, like, even before I was a youth pastor, when we would have, like, our small groups with our, uh, with our kids, like, I, I found myself teaching in the small groups. And so this was, this YouTube channel was kind of a way for, to, to scratch that itch, per se. <laughs> okay. um, and really, the goal of it is right to to sh- i i want to be kind of a conduit to right the trent horns and the scott hans and if i can if somebody can watch it right and they're a not they're a non-catholic and it just makes them question you know just a little bit you know i would i like my goal is to be able to like pass on pass like them on t- and show them trent horn and scott hahn because I never knew them when I was a Protestant, right? Like I, I, I loved John Piper, John MacArthur, Matt Chandler, all those guys. And they were phenomenal preachers. Um, but I never knew about any of these others and, you know, like Jimmy Aiken or any of them. So that, uh, yeah, that that's, was kind of the motivation. Okay. So what's been the response from, from your channel so far? Um, I've had... Uh, the like the first couple weeks um i had a lot of people like subscribe uh, i had a pretty good response i uh i've had some pretty good engagement with people commenting and and uh, i actually had somebody uh, i forgot what his name was but he left a comment on my video um talking about mary being the queen of heaven and um 
he and he was very charitable what he said he wasn't argumentative at all um but i he had kind of an objection and i responded back to him and um i just left i left him my email and i basically said hey if you want to learn more about this because i think like he had goodwill i could tell Mm -hmm. um if you want to learn more about this like reach out to me and so that was yesterday um i don't know if he if he will but i'd love him too and then i could provide him a lot of good resources so great again that youtube channel is the candid catholic now jacob i, I know understand you have a facebook page as well for it can you give us what that facebook page is yeah it's let me pull it up real quick it's so it's i believe it's just Facebook. It's facebook.com and then backslash candid Catholic. Let me double check and make sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, if you put in candid Catholic, um, it'll pop up. All right. Great. So, well, Jacob, thank you for spending some time with us today just to talk about your story. It was really a blessing to, to get to chat with you today. And do you want to leave any last words you want to leave with the audience before I let you go to enjoy the rest of your Saturday? Um, yeah. Um, I, I want to say that if, if there's any, anybody that's watching this, um, or that will watch this, that's a non-Catholic, I just want to encourage you, um, just to consider the other side, you know, and, and because like when I was, when I was a Protestant, I would hear about Catholicism and what they believed in, but I never went to the other, like to the actual source. And so I would just, I would just ask you to go to this source. And if you're still not convinced, you're not convinced. And, and at least you, you did due diligence. Um, But I would just put, put aside some of the characterizations, some things you've heard um, and just see what the Catholic church has to offer and what, what they actually believe in. Sure. So great words. Well, Jacob, take care and God bless you and what you're doing. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. God bless. Trying to get home to stream that highly anticipated series finale? Well, it may take longer with T-Mobile 5G home internet. You could be stuck with slower speeds during the busiest hours because you share your network with cell phone users. Why deal with that? Switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours. Plus, Cox offers free panoramic Wi-Fi equipment and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Why not switch? Visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.